Why don't we stand and read together? Luke chapter 22, verse 14. Luke 22:14. So Luke 22 beginning in 14. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they'd eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Let's pray. Lord, as we take one more week away from the book of John, we want to look at the night you instituted communion with your disciples. Something that we as a community of believers still celebrate and commemorate today because of your willingness to lay down your life on the cross and die for us. And we, we drink the wine and we, we eat the bread as a symbol of what you've done for us, Lord. We can be, never be grateful enough for your willingness to lay down your life in a self-sacrificial and unconditional way. And as we spend time with the community just thinking about what you did for us and why you did it. I pray, Lord, as we approach communion today, that we have a, a new sense of renewed purpose as of what it is to follow you and to be considered your, your sons and your daughters. So we're thankful for this time together. And may you teach us new things. May you help us understand you in a new way. And not just for wisdom's sake, but for that it shapes our lives and changes the way we live and act in, this, in our lifetime. We want to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Normally when we do uh, communion, um, we kind of sort of tag it on to our regular part of our service. So I'll often preach from like a book in the Bible and then uh, we'll have a dialogue around that, which is wonderful, but we often don't sort of focus the service per se on communion or look at specific passages in the Bible that talk about communion. So I wanted to spend some time today doing it a little bit differently and just wanted to maybe do expositionally through one of the Gospels uh, a passage on communion just because we've never done that before. And I just I chose to uh, just choose I just chose randomly just to pick from Luke. I could have chosen from Mark or Matthew, but I thought why not do Luke? And I'm so grateful that I did because I've learned some things this week that I've never seen before in the text. And it's funny how you can read the Bible week after week, year after year, you know, 10, 20 years, and pick up new things all the time. And for me this week, I was very much a student of the scriptures. Um, in my own personal life as I was preparing for you. So I'm hoping that some of the things I learned will be impact you as well. And you'll view communion and view uh, Jesus' death on the cross in a different light than perhaps you may have looked at before. 
Well, let's uh, jump in right to the passage in verse 14. And the first thing I want you to notice here is the context in which the, Jesus and his disciples find themselves. You'll notice here that it is Passover in the time of Jerusalem. Look at 14. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. There were three feasts uh, Israelites were commanded to observe in the Mosaic Law. And they were to observe these three feasts on an annual basis, on a specific date and a specific time. And one of those three feasts was the Passover. And those of you who were in our study uh, in Exodus, when we first opened the church plant, you'll remember that we looked at the Passover in detail. But the, the Passover commemorated the night that God delivered Israel out of slavery with his tenth and final plague that he sent upon the land. And that tenth and final plague was the firstborn, um, every firstborn living male, whether it be human or animals, would die in the land. Um, but the way to escape that judgment for both a Jew or anyone else that was a Gentile was they were to take a one-year-old lamb they were to kill it and smear the blood on the door frames of their houses. And if a person or a household did that in faith, when the angel of death would come over the land, it would pass over the house that had the blood on the door frame. As a, and it would avoid uh, sentencing that family with their firstborn son or firstborn cattle and so on being killed. So Passover then was a, was a pretty big deal in uh, Jewish history due to the nature of, of the, the ramifications of what it accomplished. It freed, uh, it, we, we estimate probably around 2 million Jews out of slavery that day. 2 million people as, a, as an estimation. So from the first Passover ever observed in Egypt to that night in the upper room, approximately 1,500 years had gone by where the Jews on an annual basis will have observed this feast. So for a millennia and a half, they've been observing this Passover. It was part of their fabric and part of who they were as God's people. It was an appropriate way to worship and honor God. It's important to say this because when you understand this, you're going to see why this night in particular was so monumental in Israel's history. It was a significant monumental moment in history from this night on. The reason was, was from this day forward, Israel was no longer going to have to ever participate in a Passover ever again. The old covenant was going to be done with, and a new covenant was going to be ushered in through Jesus Christ. There was no need for animals to be sacrificed anymore, no need for a lamb to be, to be killed, because the true lamb had come. Now, I want you to understand how big a deal this is. I mean, I think we've already got, got a somewhat, somewhat of a glimpse of it because of understanding they've been celebrating for this for 1,500 years. But you see, the new covenant that he brought in, Jesus brought in through his death and resurrection, was way bigger than you and I could even imagine. And the only way you can truly understand how big this new covenant was compared to the old is for you to understand and look at it through a Jewish lens. So in a Jewish lens, you had no more ceremonial law to observe. So as a Jew, your food was restricted and, and, and there was dietary regulations around your diet. All because of the cross, completely obliterated. 
you had to participate in these three annual feasts a year and these festivals and observe Sabbaths and other moons and other kind of festivals, all gone with this new covenant. There were social restrictions on you as a Jew. You had to separate yourselves from the Gentiles in a certain way and certain things were clean and unclean for you. All gone because of the crucifixion and resurrection. The sacrificial system that you would participate in on a, on a regular basis and all the, the slaughtering of animals and all the blood that you'd have to see on a regular basis, all gone because of the new covenant. You see how incredible this is if you're a Jewish person? When you listen to it and go, Jesus brings in the new covenant and he took away the old, you're like, yeah, big deal, whatever, like, that's great. But you have to understand, if you're a Jew, this is massive in the way you orient yourself in terms of your day-to-day living and how you relate to God and how to relate to people. So if you ever wondered as a, as a Christian, why do the Jews have to do all these things? Why did God regulate these things in their lives? And why don't we have to do these things now? It's all because of what Jesus accomplished and brought into the new covenant. The entire law, the entire ceremonial law was all pointing to what Jesus was going to do. And as I was studying this week, a couple observations struck me uh, of, of real significance that I, that I want to share with you. And one in particular, the second observation, which we'll get to in the, in the end here, uh, was something completely new to me in my thinking. But I want to share the first observation with you. And, and that is what Jesus first said to the disciples in verse 16 and verse 18. Look what he says here. He says, For, what, for I say to you, I shall never again eat it, referring to the Passover, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Look at verse 18 after he hands out the cup. He says, For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. It's interesting here. What you find is that Jesus is speaking to the disciples about a future Passover. He's like, this is, in other words, I'm meeting this with you right now. I'm meeting this with you right now, but there is going to come a time in the future in which I'm going to participate in the Passover again. It's when the kingdom of God comes, verse 16 and verse 18. So even though this is the last Passover for Jesus, with them, it wasn't his last Passover he'd ever participate in. And I wanted to help you understand, what does he mean here by the kingdom of God when it comes? Well... I've got a lot to learn in this area still, so you can push back at me if you like in the dialogue, but my suggestion is, that, and I'm pretty certain from the text and the scriptures, that what Jesus is talking about here is the time period in the millennial kingdom, when he reigns in his millennial kingdom. Now some of you have never heard of that before probably, and don't even know what I'm talking about, so let me explain the millennial kingdom. When Christ returns, and he raptures the church, and the second coming, and he has the battle of Armageddon and destroys all the nations surrounding Israel, Jesus will come back from heaven and rule on this physical earth for a thousand years. It's called the millennial reign. So Jesus came from heaven, came as a, born as a vir- from a virgin, raised as a man, died and resurrected, went to glory. He's coming back again to reign on this earth for a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, his reign comes to an end. There's one more battle between him and Satan and the enemy nations. And God destroys the world and creates the new heavens and new earth. So Christ is going to come back for a second coming and live here on this earth in Israel as a king and live and reign for a thousand years. This is the kingdom I believe he's talking about here. And in Ezekiel 40 through 48, 
you will see Ezekiel talking about this future kingdom and this future temple to be rebuilt. This future temple to be rebuilt. And in Ezekiel 45, verse 21, he talks about the people in those days returning to and reinstituting the Passover meal and the Feast of Unleavened Bread that accompanied it. Now the difference between this Passover and the Passover that they're experiencing here is simply this. The Passover that they were remembering in this time frame was to look back at the Exodus and God's freeing them from slavery from Israel. The Passover that they're going to observe in the Millennial Temple will be not looking so much at Exodus and what happened then. It'll be remembering what Christ accomplished on the cross and how he fulfilled the Passover, being the true Passover lamb. So everything in the Millennial Temple, in terms of the feasts and festivals and sacrifices, will be pointing back as our members of what Christ accomplished on the cross. The second thing, though, that struck me the, the most, and I've never saw this before, were actually, had regards to the events that occurred that night around the table as they partook in the communion meal. I noticed some interesting observations about what was actually going on at communion that night, and I want to share those with you. But before I do, I want you to weigh in on, with me here for a second. I want you to weigh in. As you, so as you picture, and I want you to speak out loud in this question, so don't just keep it to yourself. <laughs> but as you think about that night, you've got 12 men around a table. Remember, they're lying on their side with their feet behind them. They're, like, they're not sitting around a table as some of the pictures show you in the, by, I don't know, like these uh, Italian artists or whatever. Da Vinci, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it doesn't look like that. They're not sitting around a table. They're laying on their sides. What do you think when Jesus pulled out the bread and the wine, what do you think that looked like? Just give me some visual pictures of what you think communion looked like that night. What's supposed to happen? Okay. Well, let me get more specific, since you're also talkative. <laughs> How many cups of wine do you think Jesus handed out that night? This one. Okay. How many loaves of bread? This one. This one. Do you, I thought so too. I thought, you know what? This is, here's how I thought communion. They're eating the Passover lamb. They're eating the bitter herbs everything. Jesus, all of a sudden, like, not to be like, it's not this bad, but all of a sudden, like, pulls out this bread, pulls out this wine and says, here you go, guys. This is something new you've never experienced before. And he hands everyone the cup. One cup goes around the, the table and they all take a sip and he puts it down and he teaches them what communion is about. That's what I thought too. And then an observation struck me in the passage that showed me that there were more than one cups of wine drunk that night. <laughs> Look at here in verse 16. Sorry, verse 17. And I want to talk about the significance of this. In verse 17. And when he had taken a cup, he gave thanks and he said, This Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until now, until the kingdom of God comes. So that's the first cup. Verse 19. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So now there's a, there's a bread participation. Look at verse 20. And in the same way, he took the cup, but after they had eaten, eaten the Passover meal, <laughs> he said... This cup which is poured out for you in the new covenant is, is in my blood. So now he's handing out another cup to the people. So I started thinking, 
what in the world is going on here? Like, I thought there was only one cup, and he just handed it on the table once. I thought, it looks like there's more than one cup going on here. Is it four individual cups, or is it the same cup filled four times with wine? So I started thinking, what, what, uh, how am I going to answer this? So I started doing some homework. And then my homework started to confirm some things. And then I phoned Peter, because Peter's our resident expert on Jewish life and Jewish festivals and feasts. And he said, Andrew, you're right. There's actually four cups served at Passover. Now what's interesting about that, I don't know if you remember this or not, but in Exodus, when God gives the instructions to Israel about participation in Passover, wine is never mentioned as one of the requirements. There's a lamb, there's bitter herbs, there's um, unleavened bread, but there's no wine. There's no wine. So I was thinking, how did the cup become part of, how did four cups become part of the Passover, and now Jesus is instituting this four cup deal at the Passover? Well, I don't actually know. I didn't learn. If you can ever find out, let me know. But I don't actually know. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't find out exactly the source of how this came to be, how wine became an observance as part of the Passover meal. But here's what's cool. Jesus clearly adopted the, the practices of the Jewish uh, customs and rituals and, and, and adopted wine as part of the Passover ceremony. He had no problem with instituting wine as part of the Passover ceremony. And, when, and what you find here is actually each cup, each cup of the wine used at Passover all had a specific name and each cup symbolized the four distinct promises that God made to Israel before he delivered them out of slavery. This is fascinating, church. Read, the, read this. It's me in Exodus 6. Um, six. He says, say, this is before he delivers them from Pharaoh. He says, say to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. And I will take for you to be my people and I will be your God. These are the four I will promises that the Jewish people believed that God would do. So, interestingly enough, at the Passover meal, each cup represented the four I will promises that God made to Israel before the Exodus. And the cups have names. These are the four cups of Passover. First one is the cup of sanctification. I will bring you out. Second cup, cup of deliverance. I will deliver you. The third cup, the cup of redemption, I will redeem you or I will save you. And the fourth cup, restoration, I will make you a nation. Okay? So Jesus at Passover has actually got, is, well, as, a, as the Jewish custom, will have served four cups of wine that night at the Passover meal. And he's following the proper Seder practices of the Jewish people. See, doesn't that change your view of communion now? This isn't something new. He's not bringing out bread they didn't know about or wine they didn't know about. He's actually, what he's doing is he's giving them things that they already are part of their service, but he's changing, not, he's, he's re-emphasizing what's the important part he wants to, them to remember about the things they're participating in. This is a new covenant. These now are to symbolize something different than they believed before. And I believe in verse 17 when he stands up and he, he gives thanks first. He gives thanks and says, take this and share this amongst yourselves. I believe this is actually the first cup. It's probably the cup of sanctification that will bring you out. And I think the author of Luke just skipped the second one and went right to the third one. Because when Jesus says, this is my body given for you. Sorry, 
uh, this cup which is poured out for you, do this in remembrance of me, and it's the covenant of my blood. This is, this is the cup of, of, of the redemption. I will redeem you. This is talking about the salvation part. And there's no reason for the, all the gospel writers to write down the four cups because if you're in that culture, the writers assume that you know the history of the people and us know the context. So he doesn't have to give all the details because he assumes that, that, um, that they already know because they're Jewish. Now what's interesting too about these cups is that at each time in the meal, um, they were to recite certain blessings, prayers, and, and sing certain, script, uh, certain psalms and whatnot. And so each cup, at the drinking of each cup, there was a resuscitation of, of some kind of, of saying or, 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 um, yeah, or ritual that they would pronounce. So in verse 17 then, when he says, he taken a cup and gave thanks, that thanks would have been something that was already predetermined by the Jewish people in those days. Each family would have this prayer they'd recite. Jesus would have continued to say that thing. But then he, added, he adds his own words to it. After the thanks, he says, do take this and share it amongst yourselves. Even when he took the bread, he says he gave thanks. At that point in the Passover meal, every family would stand up and give a certain blessing or, or prayer of thanks. It was recited. It was, it was customary. Jesus would have stood up and said that, but then he added, this is my body which is broken for you. And so Jesus is building on the culture that they already know and adding things to it. And that's why it's a new covenant. He's helping them reinterpret the signs and symbols and practices that have been participating in as Jewish people. Let's look at verse 19 specifically then. With what he sort of, what he adds to the Jewish customs. In verse 19 he says, When he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In Deuteronomy 16 verse 3, this bread that's part of the Passover meal was called the bread of affliction. The bread of affliction. This bread was to commemorate their brutal treatment as slaves in Egypt. So when they participated in the bread of affliction, as a, in the Passover meal, you are remembering the brutal treatment that you received as slaves, as, as slaves in Egypt. And then Jesus says, he takes this bread, gives thanks. Remember, going through what they're remembering in Egypt. And then he adds this, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? The bread of affliction, about brutal treatment. Jesus says, I want you to think of this now. When you see this bread and eat from this bread, remember what I did for you, the punishment that I had to bear on behalf of you. Consider the cup in verse 20. In the same way he took the cup and after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. As a Jew, you knew all covenants are ratified by blood. They're all ratified by blood. Uh, you take... And if you want to make a covenant with someone, you'd cut an animal in half, you'd kill it, the blood would spill out on the ground, you would stand on one side, they stand on the other, and you'd walk past between the two animal parts, and your footprints going through the blood would be saying this, may this be done to me if I don't uphold my end of the agreement and this covenant. Remember in Exodus 24, God gave the law to Israel in the wilderness, and then what did he do? He had Moses sacrifice animals, he took half the blood, sprinkled it on the altar, which represented God, and then sprinkled the rest of the blood on the people, on the people 
uh, and they were covered in blood like on their, like, uh, on their clothing and on their faces and so on, as a sign that they've entered into a covenant agreement. Covenants in the Old Testament and in the Mosaic Law are always ratified by blood. They knew that. And Jesus says this, this covenant which I'm entering in with you is going to be, is going to be ratified or authorized by my blood. No more animal sacrifices for a covenant with, between you and God. It's through my blood that you enter into covenant relationship with God. I mean, I, with, with, this, with this understanding now, I think, I mean, I hope that communion takes on a, a whole different sort of level, level of meaning to you. A level of meaning to you, understanding the Jewish context and what all these signs and symbols meant to them and how Jesus now is saying, I'm fulfilling all of these things, but I'm also teaching you that, it, that it, you have to view this now in a far greater way. I'm accomplishing and fulfilling everything that the Mosaic, Mosaic Law couldn't. And there's no need for a Passover anymore. You can just participate in communion in remembrance of what I've done for you. Remember that just like the Passover lamb was, represented this, self -sac or this uh, substitutionary death, you don't need a lamb to picture substitution for you anymore. I'm doing that for you. I like 19. He, he says, and when he'd given some bread, he said, he gave thanks. He said, this is my, oh, he said, and broke it. He said, um, this is my body, which is given for you. They focus on self-sacrifice, substitutionary death. Even the cup, this is a cup which is poured out for you. This idea, again, of substitutionary, self-sacrificial death. So as we come to communion today, I hope that we understand um, the Lord in a, a greater, different light. And maybe what we can do in your time, just in prayer, quietly now, before we partake in communion, and I'll stand up here. There's gluten-free options there, again, for those of you who call intolerances. But maybe walk through these four cups. When you, when you come to the, when you come to the, the, the table today, Jesus is remembering the Passover, but in, he also fulfills all four of these promises for us. I will bring you out of slavery. I'll bring you out of the bondage of sin that you're trapped in. I will deliver you. Not only will I bring you out, I'll, I'll free you from it. <laughs> I will redeem you. I will, I will save you. I will give you a new life. I will reconcile you to God. And restoration, I'll make you a new nation. I'll make you a new people. I'll make you, I'll make you into a person that will be able to enter into um, His church and, and eventually into glory. Again, just thinking, walk through these four cups in terms of what they meant to the Jews and how Jesus fulfilled each one of them in, his, in the new covenant He brought in. So let's take a couple minutes in time of prayer and I'll stand at the front and uh, you can come up. And I will say this, if you have, if you have kids uh, of a certain age, if you feel they can comprehend and understand the cross and they've made, you, from what you know of them, they've understood the cross and can make sense of Jesus and what he did, then they're welcome to participate on your authority. If you feel your children don't understand the cross and what Christ did, then I recommend they don't come up. And the same is true for adults. If at this moment you haven't committed your life to Christ and, and you haven't understood the cross in this way, then I would suggest that until you want to make that commitment, you don't participate either. But if today's the day you want to commit your life fully to Christ because of what you understand, then you're welcome to the communion table as well. So it's an open table. So let's have a time of prayer and then I'll just stand and you can come forward whenever you like. <laughs>